Hi, guys. In case you read the uh, bulletin wrong, it isn't Billy Graham, and it isn't Billy Sunday. It's Billy Cox. So that uh, deep meaning of Scripture that you might have thought you were going to get, you might have to dig a little to get it yourself. I'd like to start by opening in prayer. Father, we come to you because you're our God. And there is no other God but you. Holy is your name. And we come to you thankful. We're thankful that we have our relationship with you that was paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We have so much to be thankful for. And we come to you and we give our thanks today in Jesus' name. I uh, I was listening to the songs and I was listening to the Christ in, in the manger and I saw the beautiful light and the, and the beautiful place where the picture depicted Christ in that manger. I don't see it that way. I see Jesus being born in a stable where animal feces is all over the place. He's wrapped in rags. And laying in a feeding trough for the animals, for his bed. In the Gospel of John, in the first chapter, starting with the first verse. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. A little further down it says he came full of grace and truth. The creator of all things, all things, was wrapped in the rags and laying in a feeding trough. There's something else that bothers me about the Christmas story. If you want to tell me about Jesus laying in that manger 
with that beautiful light shining over him. I want to tell you about the man, Jesus, who was beaten with a cat of nine tails. Whose flesh was torn apart. And if you want to tell me about the Jesus in a manger, I want to tell you about the Jesus that had the crown of thorns placed on his head. By the way, I failed to give my normal warning. All of the first and second row is subject to body fluids that come flying out of me. And I failed to give that, and I apologize. But if you want to tell me about the Jesus in the manger, I want to tell you about the man who was nailed to the cross. And the spear was thrust into his side unto death. If you want to tell me about the baby in the manger, I want to tell you about the man God who was risen from the dead. And he says, I've conquered death. And I have life to give. You see, each of us, at some point, it was revealed to us such as in Ephesians 2, starting in the first of the chapter, it says, You were dead in your trespasses. That's what we all were at one time. But what a privileged group we are that God the Father has chosen to reveal His Son to us. What a privileged group. And so we go into buildings like this and we shine our light on each other. But the people in need are out there. Sometimes when I speak at churches, I think maybe I ought to wear my sunglasses. The light is so bright and shining in every direction except the lost world. Let me tell you a story. I'm good at telling stories, even if I think so myself. When I first came to Christ, at about 30 years old, when God revealed His Son to me that because of my sins, 
Jesus had to give his life on that cross. When that was revealed to me, and I became a believer in Christ, there were several of us that seemed to have come to Christ close to the same time. And after a while, there was 12 of us formed a little group. And each one of us each year would reach in a bucket and take out a piece of paper. And that piece of paper was our job to do something with the group that month that we drew. I got July, then I had July. And we were going to then go and do an activity of the month. But there was a purpose to the activity of the month. The purpose to the activity of the month was that we would invite our friends who did not know Christ and we would not bring our Bibles and we would not pray. We would just simply go have fun. The only thing that was required of it is it couldn't cost anything. We were all broke. <laughs> so we would go to the lake and we'd stand by the bank of the lake and we'd get a worm and put it on the hook and we would see we'd have the biggest fish and the smallest fish and the biggest one was usually like that and, and the smallest one I had to put my bifocals on for. And we would do hay rides and picnics and and we'd play tennis and badminton, and we would invite all of our friends who did not know Christ. And we would just simply go out and have a good time. At one point, we were up to 150 showing up. We had to pool all of our money. If we were going to have hot dogs and hamburgers, we had to pool all of our money because the invited guests weren't bringing that stuff, you know. So we, so we, all of a sudden we had cost involved because there were so many people showing up. I saw literally hundreds of people come to Christ. And we never took out the Bible. We never prayed in front of them. but we shined our light on them. One of these people, I remember when I first met this guy. He had a ponytail down to here. His eyes were a little glossy from the marijuana. He came once, he came twice, he came again and again and again. He ended up coming to my house, he ended up eating my food. He ended up coming to Christ. 
Then he spent three decades pastoring this church. You knew him as Pastor Chris. I knew him as a wavered young man. In trouble. Problems at home. Problems with the friends he chose. Problems, problems, problems. I never said a word to Chris about Christ until he came to me one day. He said, I don't know what you guys have got. But I got to have it. Then and only then did I share Christ with Chris Bunn. Until then, I shared me, my wife, my family. My friends. And Chris found a refuge. A place where he was safe. A place where he knew he was loved. Chris might have stood here on this podium and told you something about me. Chris better be sure that Bill Cox didn't save him. I don't have the power to save anyone. I'm not righteous enough to die on a cross. I'm just like you. I go out every day and I fight my demons. Just like the Apostle Paul said, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? And then he said, thanks be to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He had just gone through this litany of things that said, it seems I'm always doing what I don't want to do and I never seem to do what I want to do. He also summarized that by saying, 
Well, it's no longer me committing this sin. It's sin that dwells in me. He said, I find that both good and evil are in me. You know, until you have Christ in your life, you only have the evil. You don't have the good. When we come to Christ, we have the good and the evil, and there's a fight going on. There's a fight between the good and evil. It's like two dogs. A bad dog and a good dog. In your life right now, which dog is the strongest? The bad dog or the good dog? Well, I'll tell you which one's strongest. The one you feed. If you feed the bad dog, you're going to have the bad problems. But if you'll get into this word and feed the good dog, the good dog will become strong. The good dog will dominate. If Chris were standing here right now, he would say, there's a darkness out there. You've got the light. There's no flavor out there. You've got the salt. As long as we shine our lights on each other, Satan is happy. He's lost us. Christ has saved us. He has nothing to do with us anymore. We are saved. We're going to heaven. But the world is lost. The world is in need. We spent ten years with that little group having the little activity of the month. I look around me every day and I meet and see someone who's mighty in the Lord who came to Christ during that time. Not because we had a righteousness greater than anyone else. Not because we had a message stronger than anyone else. No, we had a love that we shared with everyone else. If you think... Well, that's for the young people. That's for the people who still have the energy to do it. Well, I've been doing a Bible study now for 40 years. Just two years ago, a man started coming to that Bible study. About six months after he started coming, he came to Christ. He said, I'd like for you to pray for my wife. 
said, I know she won't come to this. I'd like for you to pray for her. The next week, his wife came. About six months later, she came to Christ. He was 76, and she was 77. When is it too late to present Christ to an unbelieving world? Now, now is the time. Out there is the place. I had a friend named Tom Dagnan. Been my friend since I was 12 years old. Tom was a dynamo in the Word and, and led many people to Christ. I did Tom's funeral just recently. He was sitting in our Bible study, and you know what Tom said to me? He said, I don't lead anybody to Christ anymore. I said, William, what, what are you saying, Tom? He said, I'm too smart. He said, they asked me about how to become a Christian, and I want to tell them about Moses crossing the Red Sea. He said, I want to share with them all this knowledge that over the years that I've come up with. The salvation message is simple. Yes, for God did so love the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. He who has the Son has the life. And he does not have the Son, does not have the life, but the raft of God abides on him. If you say you care for someone and do not share with someone, you don't care for someone. It's as simple as that. If you're not willing to throw your pride to the side and share Christ with everyone you come in contact with. My goodness, we're going to spend eternity with him. It's a lot more comfortable to sit here and shine our light on each other. It's so warm. It has such a, a glow to it. It's nasty out there. People are going to do things that you just cannot believe. People would do things like that. They're going to act in manners you cannot believe that they would act like that. You know what Jesus said his purpose was in Romans 5? It says at just the right time, Jesus died for the ungodly. I know it's comfortable here. 
I'm comfortable here. I want to stay all the time in this warmth. This is where I want to be too. I'm not saying it's you. I'm saying it's me too. But God has asked us to go and share his son to the world. And they're not in here. And probably not coming in here. And I don't know about the house across the street, whether they're lost or saved, but I'll guarantee you this, we haven't knocked on their door to find out. And if you can't do nothing else, start your little group and have an activity with them. Hide your Bible and open your heart. That's what Christianity is. It's sharing our lives with other people. Chris gave me credit. I deserve no credit. God is the one that saved Chris. God is the one who revealed his son to him. I might have been an instrument that worked with him, but I can't save anybody, nobody, under any circumstances. It's above my pay grade. What are you going to do if you go out there and mess up? Send them to hell number two? You see, we can't mess up. We work for the creator of all things. He says he goes with us. And will open their minds to the truth when we share it. I know this is that uplifting Christmas message you were looking for. This is the truth. This is the message that Chris would want you to hear. If you can breathe, you can share. If you can walk or ride in a wheelchair, you can go up to your neighbor. Let me ask you a question and I'll close. Do you know if your neighbor next door is saved or not? Never mind China or Ethiopia or India or any of these mission fields. How about next door? How about across the street? How about the guy at the service station you talk to every day when you go in there and maybe get you some gum or something? Do you believe that Jesus is who he said he was? Do you really believe that? If you do, you have to share him. You can't keep him. You've got to share him. I fish my whole life. I have no trouble telling you a good fish story. Because I love fishing. 
Do you love Jesus? There's a Jesus story, you know. And it should be more exciting than any fish tale I could ever come up with. You know, Jesus walked by the sea and he hollered and he said, Come out here, Simon. You and your brother, come on. And they left their father's boat and came and went with Jesus. You know what he told them? I'm going to make you fishers of men. Right now, you're out there in that boat, you're catching those fish, and they're dying, and people are eating them. I'm taking you out into a lost world where they're dead, and you're going to bring them to life, and they're going to live eternally in Christ. We all have a purpose. For, for it's by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And that not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Not as a result of works that no man should boast. But you know what it says after that? We're created for good works which he prepared beforehand for us. I'm over 80 years old. I'll retire when they carry me out feet first. I'll stop talking about Christ when they carry me out feet first. You can retire from a religion. This is religion, and it's a great Hebrews says, you don't fail to gather yourselves together. But how much greater is a relationship with a living Savior? If you don't believe I'm right, practice some religion on your wife or your husband. Tell them that one day a week you're going to Take a bath, you're going to put on your best clothes, you're going to polish your shoes, and you're going to give her an hour. But the rest of the week, leave me alone. And see how that goes. You think that'd work out? I don't think that'd work out. You see, we're relational people. And God wants our attitude toward Him to be constant. You can't leave a relationship at the door. It doesn't work that way. Thank you for inviting me here. I love Chris. And I love this church. I love a lot of the people in this church. But most of all, I love Jesus Christ. And I've come here to represent and lift him up. If I offended someone, good. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, may you get the glory.
May your word live forever. Let us always think through your holy word from Genesis to Revelations. Let our thinking be shaped and molded by what your word says. Thank you again for Jesus. Thank you that he gave his life, that we might have life everlasting in him. It's in his precious name I pray. Amen.